0: Welcome to the teaching ministry at Calvary Port St. Lucie. Please join lead pastor Mike Wiggins for the message, In Search for Significance. All right, well, one day, James, John, and their mother went to Jesus with a very bold request. James and John asked Jesus, Lord, grant that we might sit, one on your right hand and the other on your left in the coming kingdom. They wanted the two most important positions in the coming kingdom of God and they brought their mother along with them to try to persuade Jesus to grant their request. Jesus was very frank in his answer. He said, you guys don't know what you're asking for. Are you able to drink the bitter cup of suffering that I am about to drink? And James and John very naively said, yes, we're able. And Jesus said, you will indeed drink from the bitter cup of suffering that I'm going to drink from. And if you guys know your Bibles, you know that in the beginning chapters of the book of Acts, James, the one who makes this audacious request, is martyred, killed by Herod. James drank the bitter cup of suffering that Jesus drank. John, his brother, he was the only one of the 12 that was never martyred, but he actually, um, later in life, became a criminal of the Roman Empire and was exiled by Caesar Domitian uh, to the island of Patmos where he wrote, received, the last book in your New Testament. Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking for. Are you able to drink the bitter cup of suffering And he said, you will drink it, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right hand or my left. My Father has prepared those places for the ones that he has chosen. And so they make this audacious request of the Lord. And when the 10 other disciples found out that James and John made this shameless request, they were angry, they were ticked off. And the reason why, if you know your Bible, is because the disciples the main thing that they argued about was who was gonna be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. But none of them ever had the audacity to go directly into the presence of Jesus and ask for the two most significant positions in the coming kingdom. James and John did that. And again, they brought their mother, because how many of you know mothers have a way of persuading? (laughs) They brought their mother with them. And so the the 10 disciples are not happy with James and John. Now, where did this desire come from? Where did this desire to sit next to Jesus in the coming kingdom, where does that come from? Here's where it comes from. It comes from a heart that desires to be great. Deep, deep, deep in the human heart, there is a desire for greatness, and that desire propels us and drives us to search For significance. And did you guys know that Jesus does not condemn that desire? Check it out on the screen. After James and John made this request, Jesus gathered the 12 apostles together and he said, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you here it is, but whoever would be great among you. Jesus didn't say, hey, you shouldn't desire greatness. He didn't say that. He said, whoever would be great among you, here's the catch, must be your what? Your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. The Lord did not condemn the disciples' desire to be great in the coming kingdom. He just showed them the right way to go about it. He showed them the right way to achieve greatness. How do we achieve greatness? And by the way, not greatness in our own eyes, not greatness in the eyes of men, but greatness in the eyes of God. How many of you guys know, know that that's what's most important, right? doesn't matter what anybody thinks about us. Hey, we serve an audience of one. And his opinion is the one that matters the most. How can we become great? We've got to become servants. And that's our topic today, servanthood. And so after Jesus was transfigured on Mount Hermon, he came down from the mountain with Peter, James, and John. He went down in the valley, he cast the demon out of the boy, and now where are we in the Bible? Uh, He's leaving with his 12 apostles, Mount Hermon, Caesarea Philippi, in the northern area of Israel. And they're coming back down, following the Jordan River, 40 miles to the top of the Sea of Galilee, to his headquarters for his Galilean ministry, and that's the city of Capernaum. And so today we're picking it up in verse 33. Church family, tell our visitors why we pick it up in verse 33. Last week we stopped in what verse? Yeah, that's what we do. And they came to Capernaum, and when he, Jesus, was in the house, no doubt this is Peter's house, Peter bought a house in Capernaum, and that's where where Jesus stayed. When he was in the house, he asked them, his disciples, what were you discussing on the way? And so during their 40-mile trip from Mount Hermon down to Capernaum, the disciples got into an intense discussion, an argument And Jesus wants to know, hey, what was it all about? And so now in verse 34, but they kept, what's the word? Silent. Silent. For on the way, they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. Jesus says, hey guys, what were you discussing on the way? And it was silent. Crickets. Why? Why were they so hesitant to talk to Jesus about the content of their argument? Here's why, because they were embarrassed. They were embarrassed that they would lower themselves and and argue about who's gonna be the greatest. And so we don't know what started this argument on the way from Mount Hermon down to Capernaum. We don't know what happened, all we can do is guess. I guess, my theory is, that the the nine disciples that were left in the valley in Caesarea Philippi area were jealous and upset because they didn't get to go up on Mount Hermon with Peter, James, and John. How many of you guys know that when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that Jesus showed favoritism to Peter, James, and John? Some of you guys say, well, that's not fair. You should treat everybody equal. Well, Jesus did it, and he can do whatever he wants to do. And so Jesus absolutely showed favoritism to Peter, James, and John, and the other nine disciples were jealous about that. They didn't get to spend as much time with Jesus as other people. And so maybe while they're walking down the road when they thought they were out of earshot from the Lord, and how many of you know we're never out of earshot from the Lord, he hears everything, he sees everything, he knows everything. And so they probably waited, you know, 50 yards or so. Jesus is up there and they're walking and then they started going at it. Who knows, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe the nine said, hey, Peter, James, and John, how'd you like your special time with Jesus up on the mountain? <laughs> right, teachers, pets. And maybe Peter said, hey, get over it. He treats us special because maybe he's got a bigger plan for our lives than for yours. And maybe they said, well, what makes you think you're so great, Peter? And maybe he said, well, I am the only person in this group who's ever walked on water. (laughs) And then maybe they said, yeah, for about five seconds, and then you sank, and you're like, Lord, help me, right? (laughs) We don't know what, I'm having fun. Um, My point is, these are real guys and they're not walking along speaking the king's English, Peter, how art thou? I am finest, how are you? You know, whatever. They're real guys, they're arguing, and they're probably arguing about this favoritism that Jesus showed to Peter, James, and John. And so these guys loved to dream about personal glory. Be careful. Be careful about wanting to make a name for yourself. Be careful about wanting to be a big shot. Be careful about wanting to be first in line. Be careful about wanting everyone to see you. Be careful about wanting people to extol you and applaud you and give you accolades. This is what they dreamt. They knew Messiah had landed on planet Earth. They knew what the Bible said Messiah was gonna do. He was gonna conquer Israel's enemies. He's gonna restore Israel back to a place of prominence and he's gonna rule over the world. And guess who's gonna be at his side? The 12 apostles. And so they dreamt about how much land am I gonna get in the kingdom age? How big is my palace gonna be? What's my title gonna be? And then they started going at it. My title is gonna be better than your title. My land, I'm gonna have so much more than you. My palace is gonna be so much bigger than your palace. And they would fight like cats and dogs, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell us over who was the greatest. Have you guys noticed that nothing has changed in 2000 years? This is our culture. This is what our culture argues about when you put on Fox News or CNN, back and forth constantly. Who's the greatest? Who can we tear down so that we can make ourselves feel good about ourselves? Right? Am I lying to you? Right? And so we see it in corporate America. Executives who wanna make a name for themselves climb the corporate ladder, and if anybody ever tries to go around them, they get a shoe in the face. Why? Because I'm greater than you. Stay down there. We see it in politics every single day. And so the personal attacks, the verbal abuse, the name-calling is absolutely shameful no matter what aisle you ascribed to, Republican or Democrat or independent, it's all shameful. Republicans do, uh, politicians, they, they, they do whatever they can do to win an election, and then after they win the election, they rub it in the face of their opponent, and when their opponent fails, they feel good. When their opponent fails, they use their opponent's failure toward their own advantage. It's never right, again, I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, or independent. It's not right. We're Christians first Amen. before we ascribe to any political party. Don't ever forget that. And so in sports, how many times have we seen linebackers make a great hit, right? And next thing you know, they're standing over the offender that they just tackled or hit and they're, they're, they're bowing up, beating their chest. That's straight from the pit of hell. I'm telling you, even though that's your team and that's your guy, it's not right. I'm better than you. Let me tell you something. You didn't create yourself. God created you in your mother's womb. And the fact that you're even breathing right now is a gift from God. Get off your high horse. You're not all that. Even though you're one of the elite in in, in whatever sport you're playing, you're not all that. You know, no one's gonna come into my house and beat this team. What is that? And we stand there and woo, cheer. Give me a break. Let's get back to the Bible. What is true greatness? It's servanthood. It's being last of all. It's being servant of all. And by the way, it happens in the church. Not just in politics, not just in sports, not just in corporate America. It happens in The church, people want to be preeminent. They want to be higher than others. They want to be superior, like Diotrephes. You say, Diotre who? Diotrephes, Third John verse nine. Here's a guy, he wants the preeminence in the church. God never gave him a leadership position, but he took a leadership position in the flesh. And what did Diotrephes do? He lorded his authority over the people and he rejected the authority of the apostle John. Ladies and gentlemen, he's an apostle. That means we submit, but Diotrephes said, no, we don't want your teaching in this church. And so John has to rebuke Diotrephes for wanting the preeminence, for wanting to be superior. People today have no problem challenging the authority that God has put in place in the church. Be careful. Listen, I'm accountable to a board of of directors. They hold me accountable for every area of my life. They can ask me any question they wanna ask. Pastor Bob's gonna have the same accountability structure in his church, but, but here's what you need to know. God is the one who sets some people as leaders in the church. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says in Hebrews, submit or obey those who have the rule over you. The church is not a democracy. We don't all as congregation vote about what decisions we wanna make and who. Listen, the church is Jesus' church. He's the head of the church. And so it's incumbent upon the leaders of the church to be the same people in private as they are in public, never perfect, but accurately representing the Lord and submitting to the accountability structure in the church. And so whether you're talking about corporate America or politics or sports or the church or other areas, here's what always happens. People tear others down because they're jealous or they tear others down because they wanna feel good about themselves. It's never, ever right. The disciples were embarrassed. They didn't wanna talk to Jesus about the fact that they're arguing with each other, tearing each other down about who's the greatest, but Jesus has to deal with the issue. And so Jesus now says in verse 35, He sat down and called the 12 and he said to them, now here's one of the classic statements in the New Testament. So please, please tune in to the second half of verse 35. He says, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. If you're taking notes, if you wanna be great, if that's your desire, here's what you need to do. You you need to be last of all. You need to be servant of all. That's Jesus' words. What does it mean to be last of all? What that means is that you're not trying to have first place. You're not trying to be the first one in line. You are voluntarily, by the way, just the opposite of what we hear in the culture. You're volunteering to step back and be last and say, hey, I'm not gonna push myself to the front, I'm gonna help push you to the front. How can I help you succeed? Hey, are you a boss at work? Try that tomorrow morning (laughs) with your employees. And by the way, it's not how many employees serve you. That's not what makes you great, is how many people can you serve? Be last of all and be servant of all. What does that mean? That means every single morning you wake up and you say, Lord, it's not about who can serve me or who can, I, who can bless me or who can help me. Lord, help me today to serve others, to bless others, to help others. What would happen in the church if that's the first thing on our minds when we wake up in the morning? Wow. Lord, as we're getting out of bed, how can I serve this woman today? Not how can she serve me, how can I serve this woman? No matter how she acts. And by the way, I'm so thankful I married up and I married the warmest person I think on the planet. And so um, Stacy's, her, her, she's an amazing wife. But listen, even if your spouse, husband or wife is acting in a way that's, that's not right, that the question you gotta have is not how they, can they serve me? How can I serve them? Lord, how can I bless my kids today? How can I help my employees today? Pastor Bob and Brenda, they need a group of people here in the next year and then going forward who are gonna come to them with humility, roll up their sleeves and say, hey, Pastor Bob, what can I do to serve in this church? And we need that in our church as well. See, new people come to this church, they look around and they say, oh, okay, they got it all together. Are you kidding me? Not even close. We need so many more people to step up and start to serve in all the different areas um, of service that go on on the weekends and during the week in this local church. And when we have that attitude, we're rightly, accurately representing the Lord. Listen, this is the words of Jesus. He said, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And so if Jesus, the uncreated son of God can have the attitude of a servant, what's our deal? We're not all that. We need to be last of all. We need to be servant of all. One of my favorite stories from the American revolution, a true story, but... One day there was a man in civilian clothes who rode up on a horse to a very interesting scene. The scene was a bunch of soldiers that were fixing a barrier fence. And so the man in, in civilian clothes, he rides up and he hears one of the soldiers barking out orders to the other soldiers. Hey, you do this, you do that. You go here, you go there. And so the man in civilian clothes on the horse, he rode up. And he said to the one who apparently was in charge, he said, he said, why aren't you helping these men? And the man looked up at him and said, well, I'm a corporal. (laughs) And so the man on the horse said, I'm sorry. He got off his horse, he rolled up his sleeves, he joined the others and he helped them fix the fence. When the job was done, the man in civilian clothes walked up to the corporal and he said, corporal, the next time you have a job to do and not enough men to help, I want you to call your general and I'll come and help you again. It was George Washington. You see what George Washington did? Even though he was a general, he had a heart of a servant. And because of that, he showed his men what true leadership is, he showed his men what true greatness is. It's not barking out orders, it's getting down and getting dirty serving. But for some reason, it like, it's like the disciples weren't getting it. And so Jesus said, hey, I, I gotta use an illustration. I'm gonna use a living example. And so the Lord got up. I don't know if the kid was in the house, outside the house, but he looks around. He sees a little kid. Come here, hey, come here. He takes a little kid, I don't know, five, six years old, brings him into Peter's house and sets the kid right in front of of the 12 apostles. Can, can you guys see that right now? If so, say amen. amen. Little kid, 12 apostles. Look at verse 36. And he took a child and he put them in the midst of them. Now stop right there. Think about this. Children are the last thing on the apostles' minds right now. They wanna know who's gonna be greatest and he, Jesus brings in a little kid What does a little kid have to do with greatness? Here's the answer, everything. And Matthew tells us why. Matthew records this story, just like Mark, just like Luke. Hey, check it out. Calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and he said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I want all of us, on the count of three, to say out loud the last three lines. You ready? One, two, three, go. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. What does a little kid have to do with being great? Everything. You say, Pastor Mike, does that mean we gotta become childish to become great? No, 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 not childish, childlike. Here's Jesus' point. Little children are great examples of humility, innocence, dependence, and trust. There it is right there. That's the little kid, that's the example we gotta set. If we really wanna be great, not in our own eyes, not in man's eyes, but in God's eyes, we gotta become humble like kids, humility. What does that mean? I've already taught it. That means you don't push yourself forward. You don't try to be a big shot. You push others forward and you ask them, how can I help you succeed? Innocence, wow, we can't allow ourselves to be dirty, perverted, dishonest, right? Our private lives should be the same as our public lives. I read this past week, a recent study made within the last five years says, when it comes to pornography, 68% of men in the church regularly view pornography. 68% of men. And you know it's just as bad, the same study, 50% of pastors, regularly view pornography. Do you see how Satan has gotten into the church? Do you see how he has, so some people have a problem with women in leadership in churches. Do you know what I think is probably going on? God's putting women in leadership like never before in the church today because the men are so, just so apathetic and they're so nominal because their private life doesn't match their public life and they don't wanna be hypocrites. And so they just come and they sit, they go through the motions and they go home because their lives are all wrapped up in sexual addiction and bondage. Ladies and gentlemen, if I'm talking to you, let me just say that you making a decision, tomorrow it starts. I'm never gonna look at that stuff again. Let me tell you something. By three more days, you're gonna look at it again. It's not your willpower, it's not your strength. We don't have the power or strength to do anything. It's the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit in your life as you submit to him. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead will be available to you to overcome any habit, hurt or hang up, whether it's alcohol or drugs or pornography or whatever it is. It needs to be a power outside of us. The coarse jesting's gotta stop. Humble, innocent, dependent upon Christ. That's the example of a little kid. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Without me, you can do, anybody know the word? Nothing. Listen to that. If you're with me, say amen here. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branch. Without me, you can do nothing. And so if we're ever gonna experience spiritual life, we have to abide in the vine. If we're ever gonna bear fruit, we have to abide in the vine. The answer has always been, will always be the vine, not the branch. Jesus We gotta be dependent upon him and we gotta trust him like a kid trusts his dad and his mom to take care of him and provide and uh, feed and clothe. We gotta have that same childlike dependence upon our good, good father in heaven. You see, that is true greatness right there. And that's why Jesus brought the kid in front of the 12 apostles. Now, this is very interesting. And look at verse 36. Mark tells us the rest of the story And he took a child and he put him in the midst of them and taking him, the child, in his arms, he said to them. Now, I really want you to focus in on verse 37 because this is one of those misunderstood verses, one of those verses that you don't hear a lot of teaching on. Okay, so if you're looking at Mark 9, 37, can you say amen so I know you're with me here? Okay, check this out. Whoever receives, say receive. Receive. One such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me, receives not me, but him who sent me. Now that word receives, very, very interesting. Look at the definition from the Blue Letter Bible. Here's just part of the definition. What does Jesus mean when he says receive? He means to take hold of, to take up, to receive into one's family, to bring up or educate. Did you hear we're gonna build a school someday across the street? Amen. Thank you. That's one. <laughs> to receive favorably, to give ear to, to embrace, to make one's own, to approve, not to reject. Okay, so now with that definition in your mind, look back at verse 37. Whoever receives, okay, look at the screen. What is he saying? Whoever helps. If that makes sense to you, say Amen. Whoever helps one such child in my name helps me. And whoever helps me helps not me, but him who sent me. Does God need help? No. But just like Jesus said in Matthew 25, verse 40, as you did it for one of these, the least of my brothers, you did it for me. When we... Look at children, not with the attitude, kids need to be seen, not heard. Not with the attitude of their little peons, their little servants. When we really get down on their level and we receive a little child in the way that Jesus is talking about, we're helping the child. And as we do it for one of these, the least of his brothers, we're doing it for Jesus. And so this is why, verse 37 is why we support ministries like 4Kids. How many of you guys are familiar with 4Kids? Let me see your hands. Yeah, oh wow, only 30%. So 4Kids is an amazing ministry started by Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale. And their motto is, every child deserves a home. And so what's happening more and more in society is that kids are being taken out of homes. And these kids they need a home, they're foster kids. And so four kids was started to be able to help every child to get into a good Christian home. And so what they do is they join hands with the state and with the couple, and they, they help these kids. What an amazing fulfillment of Mark 9, 37. And so maybe the Lord will speak to your heart about fostering a child. Maybe you want to fulfill Mark 9:37. If you do, pray about it, go to fourkids.us. See what the Lord does there. You see, it's verse 37, it's why we get behind ministries like Global Vision Citadel Ministries. GVCM in Haiti. They take care of about 130 orphans in the worst poverty in the western hemisphere and they do so much more than that but that's the primary reason we get behind them financially and we send teams down there is because true religion and undefiled take care of the widows, take care of the orphans. You wanna be great in the eyes of God, start helping kids. And that's what we do through the ministry of GVCM. And so maybe you wanna sponsor a kid for, I don't know, 25, 30 bucks a month, whatever it is, go to gvcm.org. Pray about it, make sure God's telling you to do it and then move forward. Verse 37 is the reason we love our kids' ministry, Calvary Kids, next door. Did you guys know that our volunteers for Calvary Kids take care of about 350 of your kids every weekend? And I'm so glad because little kids would be so bored if they were in here, listen to me, go on and on and on. But they get to, over there, They're pointed to Jesus and they learn the word of God on their level in a fun environment. Verse 37 is being fulfilled every single weekend. Sometimes we forget about it in the adult service. But man, what a blessing that these Calvary Kids volunteers are. And maybe God's tugging on your heart. Hey, go serve over there once a month, twice a month, whatever it might be. And so if that's you, go to our website, calvarypsl.com or you can talk to our children's ministry director and I see Ethan. So Ethan, stand up. Everybody turn around and say hi to Ethan. So Ethan's our children's ministry director. And he'll get you hooked up. Ladies and gentlemen, the fall is coming like a freight train and there's gonna be so many kids that are gonna be here and we gotta be ready for them. And so those who serve in these ministries, four kids, GVCM, Calvary Kids, I just, I just wanna say thank you, thank you, thank you. And can the church family put your hands together and thank these people. And so deep within the heart of men and women, there's this desire for greatness. We wanna be great you know, in the flesh, in our own eyes, in men's eyes, women's eyes. God says, you wanna be great in my eyes? Become a servant. Now this fits perfectly with where we are uh, this weekend because as I said earlier, I can't think of two better servants than Bob and Brenda Cooper. And so Bob and Brenda Cooper, along with their daughter Rachel, came to us 13 years ago, 2005. And they came and they started, once they got settled, once they knew this is their church home, they started to serve. And man, did they serve. Luke 16:10, Jesus said, If you're faithful in little, you'll be faithful in much. And so I I think God looked down at Bob and Brenda, saw them 2005, 2006, 2007, being faithful in the little things. And he said, I can trust you guys with more. See, this is what the Lord does. He gives you a little and tests you. And then if you're faithful, he'll give you a little more, and a little more, and a little more. And so in 2010, we hired Bob. And then in 2012, we ordained him to the ministry. He became Pastor Bob. He served on the board of directors. He also was, uh, for a little while, our student ministry director. But for seven years now, he's been your beloved care pastor. And I know he's touched a lot of your lives, Brenda as well. And so in the capacity of care ministry, Bob has done so many um, weddings, so many funerals. He's conducted so many counseling sessions. He's been weeping with so many people, so many of you, as you've experienced loss in your life. He's prayed, him and Brenda have prayed for so many of you during your difficult times. And not only that, they both have led so many groups, Bob men's groups, Brenda women's groups, Brenda being on the phone for countless hours with women helping them um, as well. And by the way, Brenda leading our refreshment, our hospitality ministry for so many years, pouring into so many volunteers. And I could go on and on and on, but here's the thing. We're called to help people become lifelong followers of Christ, and so for, for now 13 years, we've had a couple that have stood with us to help us make lifelong followers of Christ. And he, he, here's, the, here's the deal as, as well. They've been faithful here, and so it's no surprise that God is increasing their responsibility again, and we're going to, as a church, send them to Jensen Beach to plant a church. Can you guys thank, as Bob comes up, Pastor Bob and Brenda. <clears throat> for all their faithfulness and fruitfulness over the years. Amen.
1: We good? All right, so uh, last night I I made this commitment that I wouldn't cry, so I sucked it up, buttercup Bob, and I said, refuse to cry, but this is an emotional day, and the first thing I want to do is I want to honor God and go to Him in prayer and thank Him for what He's doing in my life. And so many others in, in Calvary Port St. Can we? Can you bow your heads with me and pray? Uh, Heavenly Father, you are so worthy of our praise. You're so, so, so good to us. So Lord, I want you continue to fill us uh, with your love and mercy and grace and peace and presence and power. I want you continue to use uh, Pastor Mike and the rest of the staff here. And, and elders and servants and leaders, Lord, in a way that uh, can further and advance Your kingdom. May Lord others see the love of Jesus when they walk through these doors and continue to see and know and want that Jesus, the Savior of the world. So won't You be here today? Continue to be here today, as we honor You and as we yield our lives to, to You, Lord. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. All right, I already broke the rule. I feel the tears coming, but it is an emotional day and. We have so much to be thankful for, um, family and friends, and you know the first person I wanna thank um, would be my bride. Um, I adore her and love her. Could you stand up, babe, and say hi to people? <laughs> this, she is, she is one hard, hard working woman. She outworks me in so many <laughs> levels. And she just loves the Lord and loves people. And I'm so blessed to do ministry alongside of her. And I look forward to many more years to come. Our daughter was here last night. And um, uh, some of you know that she went to college for four years in in Greenville, South Carolina. And uh, man, that money was just going and going and going. Anybody have any college students? Man, it's expensive to send your kids. So guess what? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. She had one year of um, teaching under her belt, and today she's uh, helping like an open house. For, she's going to be a second-year teacher now. So um, the money stopped going out, praise God. <laughs> Whew, we made it. So um, she wished she could have been here today, but, but uh, she wasn't able to be. Um, I want to introduce my mom and dad. Um, they are coming up on 60 years of marriage, 60 anniversary. Can you stand up, mom and dad? <laughs> Yeah, so they—they've been uh, supportive of just about everything we've done, and I'm so thankful for that. Um, you know, Billy Graham was asked, actually Ruth Graham was asked one time if she ever thought of uh, divorcing Billy Grant or yeah, divorcing her husband, and she said, "No, never, ever, ever." That I think of d- divorce, murder, yes, but never divorce. <laughs> so, mom and dad, you made it. So we're doing a, a wedding vow renewal in a, in a couple weeks kind of party. My family is all coming down. So thank you, Mom and Dad, for your continued support. Um, now, we've got some people on the team that uh, I want to also um, ask that you all be in prayer for. Roger and Jenny Bayless, would you guys stand up and say hi? They have been. Thank Roger's going to be our care pastor. He, has, he brings an extensive uh, resume. Um, his love, they're generous, they're kind. Uh, they really, really, really have a passion for Jesus. And uh, we're really looking forward and excited to what both, these this, two, this couple's going to do to impact Jimson Beach for the cause of Jesus Christ. So we're thankful for them. And we have uh, Leandro. I call him affectionately, Leonro. Leandro. You don't have a clue who Leandra is, right? It's Lee, all right? It's it's Lee Almeida. He leads First Impressions, and he's coming with us as well, uh, along with his bride, uh, Melissa. And um, he's going to college, Calvary Chapel University, and he's really, really on fire and passionate for Jesus. And we really look forward to see how he's going to impact the kingdom at Calvary Community Church as well. And we're so thankful God's uh, brought him and we're gonna really go shoulder to shoulder and really be a blessing to, to, uh, to God's kingdom. And then Joseph and Ashley Salvatore. Oh, hey, Leandro, you didn't stand. Say hello, Leandro. Sorry, man. All right. So Joseph and Ashley Salvatore, could you stand up really quick? Um, they're gonna make a. Uh, they're both. They're. They're both uh, taking classes on, at, online at Liberty University and they're, they're, they're gonna advance the kingdom and grow and learn. And Ashley's gonna do worship for us down there. And we're really, really looking forward to that as well. And they're passionate as well for Jesus. And uh, you know what I learned uh, a short time ago? Um, do, you know, do you wanna know what Ashley's uh, maiden name is? It, it's Cooper. That is so awesome, isn't it? And you know what her dad's name is? Robert. Can you imagine that? So she's got two dads now, you know? That is pretty, pretty awesome, man. It's really exciting. So um, there's a handful of other families I see here today that are going to come, come with us as well and uh, just, just continue to be in prayer for us. Uh, we, we really, really uh, need and want it. Um, I want to make a special note to Pastor Mike and Pas- Pastor Lee. Um, if it wasn't for them giving us the opportunity, you know, this... God is so good, you know? All right, I see Leander on the front row saying, suck it up, buttercup. So, uh, all right, check it off. So um, Pastor Mike and Lee, um, you know, saw something in me that maybe I didn't see in myself. And they gave me the opportunity to jump into ministry. And, you know, it's a war. It is. It's difficult. But, man, it's worth it. When people are blessed and they feel loved and they see the love of Jesus, it's really worth it. So thanks, Pastor Mike and Lee. And, and, uh, and of course, Jack Worrell, some of the other pastors, um, they have an awesome board. Um, the group of guys are, are generous guys and they really, really take care of um, the pastors and the staff here. So uh, there's Dan Plour and Pastor Dan and um, who, by the way, is going to be on my board as well. And John Chinelli and some other pastors and the deacons and elders. You guys are a blessing to me and my family. And I, I pray you continue to be a blessing to so many others. And then lastly, Pastor Mike touched on it quite a bit today. If it wasn't for uh, ministry partners um, coming alongside of us and, and, and others within um, Calvary Port St. Lucie, and it's going to be the same, the same at Calvary Community Church, man, we wouldn't be able to make ministry happen like we do. So we really just need to thank one more. More time the servants who love jesus and love others so much that they're willing to serve in a big capacity so as pastor mike said jesus didn't come to be served but to serve and he gave his life as a ransom for many so he gave that example all the more we should as well so we uh we're as you know we've uh we're calling it our church uh, calvary community church and um, again, we're going to be um, really impacting the community for Jesus. Uh, our website's up there with some of the things we talk about today. You'll be able to, to um, you know, kind of do a quick review, especially the impact meetings that we're having on Saturdays. And our vision really is the key. It's really the, the fuel to what we're going to do. And um, really our vision is we exist to uh, draw a disciple and deploy battle-ready followers of Jesus Christ for the sake of family, friends, and community. And when you hear the, the terms, um, don't be worried, we're not bringing AK-47s at all. We're bringing the word of God and the love of Jesus that people so desperately need to hear and know and experience. Now, I've heard a lot of different um, recommendations on what we could do and how we could do it, and some are funny and some are off a little bit, um, so one of our friends, he's a marketing guy, said, hey, what about this, and what about this, and what about this, and, and um, people, some people say that I look like a, a local weather guy, but one guy said, hey, why don't you put a billboard on US One, and when I said that, I started said, oh no. So he said, put, put a billboard on, on US One, and uh, he said, the sun is shining, here comes Calvary Community Church, and the sun is S-O-1, of course. So I said, Jeff, I don't think so, brother. <laughs> Someone else uh, talked about, hey, you know, are you going to get a jet and travel all over the world and sp- do speaking conferences? And I said, I will not. I don't need a plane. So I mentioned that last night, and Dave Lithgow went to Walgreens, and he, and he bought me a plane. <laughs> I'm thinking, man, that's, that's, the, that's the only plane I need, man. We got to make Jesus famous. I don't want to be famous. I want him to be famous. You think about, you ask the question, so why, why have we landed in Jensen Beach? Well, if you look at the Treasure Coast, the statistics of the Treasure Coast are actually alarming, perhaps, is the word we could use to um, understand. A Barna research study uh, some, some a while back um, did this like religious study in the state of America. And did you know that, uh, that, that the Treasure Coast is the number one church-less or unchurched area in all of America. That's staggering if you process that thought a little bit. And if you think of other cities and you think of the debauchery and the way people live, I still am still trying to get my mind around that. And then if you add the people that used to go to church are called dechurched. churched They stop going because they're disenfranchised and they're really not, they don't have any value in going to church whatsoever. So when you add those two categories together, it brings it to 48% of people that are churchless and de-churched, frustrated with the church at large. So that's what we're going to. Um, there's a Calvary Chapel in Vero. There's a Calvary Chapel here. There's a Calvary Chapel in Okeechobee. There's a Calvary Chapel in Palm City. There's a Calvary Chapel in Stewart. There's not a Calvary Chapel in Jensen Beach yet, but there's going to be, amen? Yeah. We're going to teach the Word of God. And I think the most important, you know, you can look at demographics, those, those geeky guys out there like those demographics and all the studies and ages and all that kind of stuff. But the one thing that stood out to me the very most um, that really hit me was there, there was... 600 people, around 600 people passed away last year in Jensen Beach. And you ask the question with a 48% number in your mind, how many of them slipped into eternity because there wasn't people there to tell them about Jesus, who he was and what he did and why he did it. And that's really what we're gonna do. So if you look at the three words that we're gonna use our vision statement, draw, disciple, and deploy, we have a desire to draw people to Jesus Christ because He is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no way to the Father but by Him. Jesus really does change people's hearts. And of course, we're gonna disciple as well. I can recall um, some years back, uh, 1990, where I would, my wife and I had just been married. By the way, we got married in Jensen Beach, which is, is, is amazing. We've lived in St. I've lived in St. Lucie County for 36 years now. And to think that we got married in Jensen Beach. So we're kind of going full circle in a lot of ways. Um, I came to faith in Jesus Christ 28 years ago today as well. And that's emotional for me because God's sending me out. He's sending us out. How? I, I would never have thought, uh, you know, Pastor Mike asked me, and we talked about it a bit. I, I would never have thought that God would be doing this work. And I'm so humbled by it. And what he's going to continue to do. So I had, I was broke. Anybody ever been broke before? Financially broke? I think we can all raise your hand. And broken. And when you combine both of those components in a person's life they become hopeless and there's a big void in their lives and they really don't know how to fill it but we really have the answer we've got Jesus Christ he really is the way and the truth and the life I believe that we have a passionate team of people who believe that we know this look at demographics just briefly we know that families are struggling just to get by We know that new parents are adapting to those new kids in their home and they have much less time than they used to have. Any parents in here with newborns and young ones? Can I get an amen? Amen. (laughs) We know that empty nesters are living much quieter lives for the first time in perhaps decades. They're lonely. They moved to Jensen Beach and and they're lonely and they need community. We know that close to, this is astounding, Um, statistics that 50% of the population in America around 50% is single and they need fellowship and they need community. And we know that people want community and desire a sense of belonging, but just don't really know again, what's missing, who can fill it? How can that be filled? But we know that, don't we? We know who can fill that. We know what can fill that. That's Jesus Christ. And he's so worthy of our praise. So this is what we're gonna do. We're going to draw people to Jesus Christ. We're gonna disciple people in Jesus Christ. We're gonna have a similar setting as this where we're gonna teach God's word chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And there's not a lot of churches in Jensen Beach that are doing that. So that'll be unique. And we're gonna love people like Jesus loved people. And then we're gonna have affinity groups where there's marriage and parenting and life groups and those kind of things. But we're also gonna really dig deep into mentoring and discipleship. Um, quads and triads, groups of three, four, and five, where the older, more mature guy is gonna come along the younger guy who really is desperate to grow up in their faith in Jesus. We all need that, amen? And I think that that's gonna be a really important part. And finally, we're gonna deploy. And then deploy can be uh, really looked at as a uh, military term, which means to move troops or equipment. And we're moving to Jensen, right? And we're being deployed into position for military action. And the military action we have is we know that the world, we're at war with Satan and his dark angels. He's the prince of power of the air, but we know the greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So we're gonna have victory in Jesus' name, amen? amen? So I'm gonna finish with this. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. It says go. We could say deploy because that's what we're doing. We're going to Jensen Beach, therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit to observe all things that I've commanded you and I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. So uh, a couple logistic things, Uh, we are going to be in, we're praying for, can you all be in prayer for us, that we are able to secure a lease with uh, the people over there at Hobby Lobby Plaza. We're like 90% sure they're gonna give us the go. We'll have space there. Um, As many of you know, it's across the street from Jensen Beach Mall on the corner of US1 and Jensen Beach Boulevard, great location. If we have services on there on Sunday, Hobby Lobby is closed. The parking lot will be open. Man, it's, it, it's, it's exciting. If we end up there, we pray that we can. Um, we're gonna have um, Bible studies. Our very first Bible study will be on uh, September 5th, a Wednesday night. Uh, it'll be strategic. We'll talk about serving and why, does, why, why reach the community in the way we're going to. And then, of course, we're going to have a 15-week community impact strategy in three phases, five weeks each. And it's going to look more like uh, on September 8th will be our very first Saturday. Where we're going to go out, hand out bottles of water, car, invite cards, pray for people, ask people questions, and show them the love of Jesus. Um, and we're going to do that four weeks in a row, invited them to a, a barbecue party slash fun. And we're going to really just be immersed in the community and probably eat a lot of ribs and... Anybody like ribs, (laughs) chicken, stuff like that? And then uh, we're gonna do the same thing in phase two. We're going to have four weeks starting October 13th, leading up to another barbecue party on November 10th. And then finally, uh, phase three is going to be, again, being in the community, inviting them to our very first um, service, you know, uh, open to the public on December 23rd. Um, Leading up to that, we're also going to have soft launch where we have a core group of uh, team members on November 18th, 25th, December 2nd, 9th, and 16th. We're going to, you know, be able to, you know, see who's on first base, who's doing this and who's doing that, and we'll get to work as a team together and, and build that camaraderie before we go and take Jensen Beach for Jesus Christ. So that's our goal. That's our plan. Be in prayer for us, man. We really covet your prayers because, you know, the target gets bigger. Um, Pastor Teddy used to say it, new level, new devil. And man, it's true. It really is true. So, um, but we're, we're not called to sit on the bench. We got to get in the game. And uh, I want to encourage all of you to get in the game too. Amen. Pastor Mike's going to come back
0: up. All right. Awesome, awesome plan. At this time, I'm going to ask the pastors and elders who are here to come on up. And so, we're to, the way we're going to close the service out is through prayer. And what we're going to do is we're going to officially send out Bob and Brenda uh, to Jensen Beach as a local church. And so, for those of you who are new to Christianity or new to the Bible, Uh, This is biblical, this is what we do. Uh, We don't follow religion, we follow the word. And so in Acts 13, the Holy Spirit said to the leaders of the church of Antioch, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work I've called them to. And then the elders and pastors laid hands on them and sent them out. And how many of you guys believe that Paul's three missionary journeys were pretty fruitful, right? There's blessing in local churches, laying hands on and sending people out. And so that's what we're gonna do. That's what happened for me at Calvary Chapel Jupiter 14 years ago. We're doing that now uh, for Bob and Brenda. And so Roger, come on up as well. Roger's gonna be on Pastor Bob's board as an elder. And so we want him to be involved in this prayer as well. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna ask Roger to pray first. And then I wanna ask Jose Rosario to pray. And then I'm gonna close out a prayer and then you guys can be dismissed Can you guys join us in your hearts please
1: heavenly father it's a, a great privilege and an honor to to do anything in your name and we honor you and we thank you lord for the just the abilities that that you've put in our heart and the desire that you've put there to uh, evangelize to love to care for those in jensen beach who are so lonely and those that need you. And so, Father, I just pray over Pastor Bob as uh, he and we are being called to this ministry. And, Lord, we put ourselves uh, in your hands to complete what you've started. And so, Father, we're just, uh, again, we thank you and we pray for your will to be accomplished in, around, and through us in this calling. In Jesus' name.
2: And Father, we thank you for for Bob's heart, uh, the work that you've done in his life, uh, the support system that he's had in his life also. Um, We thank you, Lord, that you chose uh, those who want to remain humble, Lord, throughout their lives and just heed to your calling that you will make them great, Lord. So we pray, Lord, that the ministry that you have blessed them with uh, will be great in Jensen Beach, Lord, because there is a need there. We pray, Lord, that you just draw the people to him, Lord. We pray that you just build the core of that church, Lord, so that they'd be able to serve and meet the needs of Jensen Beach. And Father, we we pray for the core group. We pray for the core group that they will be empowered by your Holy Spirit, Lord, that they will be uh, the branches, Lord, uh, just bearing fruit for you in that community, Lord, Open the hearts of the people of that community. Um, just the, the need that they have in their heart, that the the desperate um, need for you, Lord, that just something is missing in their lives, Lord. And uh, we thank you that we're uh, not only uh, a giving church, Lord, that we're also a sending church. And that we're sending Pastor Bob um, with, with our prayers. And uh, we pray also for his group, Lord, that are going with him. Uh, the families that have made changes, Uh, we pray, Lord, that you just put a hedge of protection around them, around Bob. Um, I pray also, Lord, that they will be able to put on the armor of God each and every morning and uh, that they'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Jesus, we remember your words, that you would build the church and the gates of hell would never prevail against it. We thank you the church is not man's idea, but your idea. And Lord, you're the head of the church. You're the vine, and we thank you for giving birth to another branch. We ask, Lord, that your spiritual power and your wisdom and your love would flow from you uh, to Calvary Community Church in Jensen Beach, and that Jesus' name would become famous. We thank you for the opportunity today to officially send out this awesome couple Lord, we're gonna miss them, but we know you have a bright, bright future for them in the future. And so um, I echo the prayers of my brothers. We pray for their core group. Please increase and strengthen the core of Calvary Community Church servants, Lord, who are willing to be last of all and servant of all to see your name great. And we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said. All right.